Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, and chapter 5, verses 13 through 25. People in Bible study will find it familiar. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit. And what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because you know that you are going to speak to us through it. We ask you, O Lord, simply that you will reveal your thoughts to me as I share this word and that you will give us all new insights into how to apply it to our lives. Help us, O Lord, simply to understand your freedom in Christ for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Freedom, what a great topic for the week of 4th of July, huh? When it comes to freedom, we often talk about several things. First of all, how was it obtained? Who was it obtained for? And what was the purpose for obtaining the freedom? When it comes to our freedoms, we often talk about how others in the past gave their lives or fought for the freedoms that we have today. We all know that without them, we might not be here today, able to worship as we do. We know that without their struggles to defend the freedoms that we have as a nation, we might not be able to pursue our Christian beliefs in such an open way. Because there are places around the world where people can't do that. And we should never take that for granted. Our ancestors really fought to grant the citizens life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Our nation was founded to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. At least that was the plan, right? That's the design. And one of the biggest motivators for the start of the United States was the idea of people being able to experience religious freedom, being able to establish places of worship and pursue what they believed without the state or the government trying to tell them what to do. Now, for us, that concept is kind of a given, right? Because we've never had an issue, right, going to church. It's always been there, and you can go if you want to, right? Nobody's going to stop you. But you have to understand that when this nation was founded, there were countries all over Europe where if you were born in that country, you had to be that religion. So if you were born in Spain, you were Catholic. If you were born in Germany, you were Lutheran, and so forth and so on. So basically, you didn't have that religious freedom. You didn't have that opportunity to believe as you pleased. And people were literally born, born into a faith and sometimes didn't even know that faith very well because it was just a cultural thing. Well, our forefathers fought for the independence of the United States. They fought for the freedom for us to go and do our own thing and become our own nation. Can you imagine us today, over 200 years later, turning around and going, you know what? We'd like to go back to being a colony of England. You know, it would be nice to have some more of that taxation without representation. It would be really nice to be under the monarchy again. It would really be nice for somebody across the pond to tell us what we can do and can't do. Why don't we just go back to being a colony? And most of us would go, no way. Why in the world would we want to do that? Why in the world would we want to surrender the freedom that we have obtained, that we have received? Why would we want to throw it all away? But in a way, when Paul writes in in Galatians this letter, he is arguing that the Christians in Galatia that were freed from sin in Jesus Christ, that had accepted that freedom to be children of God, to be adopted into the family of God through their faith and their belief, were now being told that they needed to go back into the law of Moses and fulfill all the law, including circumcision, in order to be in or be cut off from the people of God. Can you imagine that? You were told it was free. And then you read the little fine print and they're telling you, oh, no, 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 no. You got to go back and do the whole law. Nowadays, we have a lot of experience with quote unquote free offers, don't we? Anybody got a free cell phone out there that didn't turn out to be so free? You got one of those offers that said, hey, you get this free phone. And then you read the fine print and you had to sign up for two years and you had to do 
a data plan, and they were going to charge you for texting, and if you even breathe on the thing, you got to pay. And your free phone wasn't so free. But they said it was free, right? There's one going around for pastors on, on Facebook that says, pastors need a break, free three-day vacation. And then you read the comments below, and they basically hold you hostage at a resort while they feed you all of this promotional stuff so you can bring it back to your church. So what often sounds like free at first doesn't turn out to be free. And we can understand then why people are so skeptical when we tell them that Jesus is free. People say, no, 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 I know about free offers. I've been taken by a few of them. I didn't read the fine print. Jesus cannot be free. What is the fine print? What is the, the little stuff that you haven't told me? So Paul writes this letter for us to clarify that indeed Jesus sets us free and it really is free to us. It truly is free to you and to me. It doesn't mean that it's cheap because somebody paid for it. Jesus paid for it on the cross. But it truly is free to us in the sense that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't pay some of the balance of our sin. He didn't pay a portion of our wrongdoing. He paid the full price to give us access to the kingdom of God. And there is no residual balance. There is nothing left on the account. Jesus wiped it clean through his blood. So God really means it when he says that he sent his son into the world so that all those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. You heard right. It is really free. There's no amount of works that we can do. There's no amount of church attendance or gifts to the church that we can give that can ever pay for the salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross. And it truly is free. We simply have to believe it. But did you see how hard it was to believe that there was free chocolate? It was really hard to convince those kids that there truly was free chocolate in that package. Even though it was completely sealed, even though I showed it to them, let them examine it, it was still hard for them to accept that anything could be free. And if it's that hard for a child to accept free chocolate, imagine how hard it is for people to accept the fact that God loves them and not their stuff. That God loves them and not what they can do for God. That God loves them and not their attendance record at church. That God loves them and wants to be in relationship with them through his son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we are made free, and Paul was just livid. Because what had happened was that 
some Judaizers had come into the church of Galatia and met these new believers that were all excited about their freedom in Christ, that were excited that they had been accepted into the family of God, that were excited about walking in a new way because God loved them. And they had come in and said, well, you know, it, technically, you're not really in yet. You got to go back and do the law of Moses, which, by the way, includes circumcision. There's a deal breaker, folks, for new people that don't know Jesus. You got to follow the whole law of Moses and if you do that, then we might let you in. Then you might be acceptable. Then you might be welcome. Then you might be an heir of the kingdom. Then and only then God might love you. And Paul was furious because he could not believe that those who had already received the free gift of God in Jesus Christ were being deceived into believing that somehow they had to go and earn it now. Can you imagine getting a free gift and then somebody turning around and saying, yeah, but you got to pay for it now. You'd be like, no, 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 you said it was free. No, 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 you got to pay for it now. You're like, no, 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 but it's free. Well, yeah, kind of free, sort of free. You see, the world has defined free in a different way than God does. In God, we are truly free to choose. In essence, we are given the opportunity to choose to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We're given the opportunity to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But it's true freedom to choose. God doesn't make anybody. And he doesn't give you a precondition of a long list of things you have to do before he'll take you in. Quite the contrary, Jesus welcomes you as you are. And any changes that need to happen are on him with you. When I went off to college, I was free from my parents. I'd love to tell you that I did great with my freedom in college, but that'd be a lie. There was nobody there to wake me up in the morning and tell me I had to get, get off to class. There was nobody there on Sunday morning saying, get up, we gotta go to church. There was nobody there telling me, it's past your bedtime at three in the morning. And there was nobody there to tell me, hey, this person's a bad influence. You need to stay away from them. And because there was nobody there and I was free, I did all the stuff that I wanted to do and none of the stuff that I knew my parents would have had me do. I didn't go to church for a year. Well, I, I donned the church entrance a few times, two or three times in a year. Somebody who had never missed church pretty much almost all his life except for the chicken pox. They would not let me in the church. For a year, I went about three times. 
And I pretty much did exactly what Paul describes as a bad use of our freedom. I was self-indulgent. In a sense, I did whatever it felt good and whatever I wanted. I didn't go, I didn't do, I almost failed some classes. And it took some time for me to understand that when we are set free, we are set free with a purpose. That when we are set free, it's for a reason. I was set free by my parents to go off to college so that I could understand what it meant to be an adult, what it meant to grow up, what it meant to be responsible, what it meant to take care of my own bills and my own needs, and also so that I could grow up. And when Jesus sets us free, he sets us free so that we can grow in him and in our knowledge of God and in our relationship with God. Paul wanted the Galatians to understand that Jesus had set them free, but their freedom was not an excuse to just go and go crazy and do whatever. That their freedom was given to them with a purpose. That it was an opportunity for them to live by the Spirit, to choose not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul was arguing for our freedom to be used in a way that made us servants of God and not servants of ourselves, doing what was good for me or whatever I wanted. This life that he is inviting the Galatians to it's a life that they had already gotten a taste of. They had already gotten a taste of this freedom before these Judaizers came in and told them they had to follow the whole Mosaic law. And now Paul wants them to go back to what they've known. I want you to choose to do what is right before God, but not because you're afraid of punishment. Not because God's going to come after you with a rod because you broke the law. But because God has loved you and you in thanksgiving want to love God back through your life. Because God has given so much for you that you just want to serve God and tell others about his love and his goodness. The second year of college, my parents were still not there to tell me what to do. But things changed. I had the same freedom that I had the first year. But I had been so miserable the first year that I had one of those come to Jesus moments where Jesus basically said to me, hey, you're free to do what you want, but do you really want another year like this one? Do you really want another year like this one? And I reconnected with my faith, and I committed to my studies, and I began to work several jobs to help pay for school because, of course, I messed up all my scholarships, and I chose to limit all my all-nighters to whenever I was studying for a midterm or a test or writing a paper. And yes, I stopped hanging around with my roommate 
who ended up flunking out of Emory after two years. Paul was encouraging the Galatians to live by the Spirit because he knew that what the flesh desires is opposite to the Spirit. What the flesh desires is going to draw us away from what God wants us to do. And you better believe it that if you go that way, you'll end up missing out on the blessings that God has for you. But the struggle is real. Paul describes it best when he says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do, I end up doing. Anybody felt that way anytime? You, you really want to do good, but you end up doing the bad that you didn't want to do? Paul understood better than most that the spirit wants, but the flesh is weak. He understood better than most that, that we have our freedom, and sometimes we let our freedom get the best of us. And we do things we shouldn't, and then we pay the price. When our freedom must be used to say yes to the spirit and no to the flesh. And in case you're wondering, Paul decides he's going to give you a list of the works of the flesh that fall under the things that the people of the Spirit might not want to be engaged in. Verse 19 and 20 gives you the whole list. But he says, I give you this list reluctantly because it's obvious. So I want you to hear the list again, and I want you to ask yourself, do any of these things sound like things that God would want us to be involved in? Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Any of those sound like good godly things? Anybody? No? He says, I'm giving you the list, but it's obvious. And you know, he was aware that those Judaizers that had come into town were going to use things against them. And so he says, and things like this, so that people in that church would not take this and make it a checklist. I love checklists. Don't you love checklists? You can check it off and say, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. And you feel a sense of accomplishment when you finish it. He says, no, I'm not giving you this as a checklist because I'm going to leave it wide open and things like this. He says, no, things like this, things that destroy your relationship with God or each other, things that make you not loving, things that separate you from the body of Christ, things that are selfish, these things and things like these are the things that people that walk in the Spirit do not do. They don't do these. And then he gives you the list of the things that come with walking in the right spirit of God. He says, and you, you'll, you'll recognize these because most of you did the fruits of the spirit at some point. If you haven't heard them before, and this is your first time, I'd be surprised, but the fruits of the spirit are ones that we hear all the time. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against these, there isn't even a law. But again, he says, not a checklist. Not a checklist for you to go, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it. Instead, what Paul is advocating here is that we are free in Christ to walk in the Spirit, to enjoy the fruits that come with walking with God. And I can tell you from experience that walking with God versus not walking with God is totally different. First year of college, I had about $50 in my pocket, and I was miserable and bitter most of the year. The second year of college, I had three jobs. I, I had 22 credit hours. And somehow, by the grace of God, I made it through and had money in my pocket every week. And God did that. And it took work for God to do that through me and in me. When we do things by the Spirit and reject the works of the flesh, then we are not trying to earn our salvation but we are trying to thank God for the salvation that has already been promised to us. And you know, I kept thinking about that. How can I explain that in a way that we can understand? Have you ever ordered something from Amazon? I have. When they say it is shipped, you can put that to the back. It's on the way to you. It is on the way to you. It is promised to you. It is almost guaranteed. There's always flaws. But it's almost guaranteed. I mean, you can almost, you can almost be sure that you can track that package. And they even tell you when it's at your doorstep and send you a picture of it. And when Jesus says, I took your sins to the cross, and I have given you salvation. You can take that to the bank. He has promised that and he will fulfill that for you if you put your faith in him. So yes, in a nutshell, God in Jesus Christ has set us free, free to love him back, free to seek to be more like him every day, free to accept this free gift of salvation without trying to earn it, and free to know that God loves us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are in his eyes. And that is really good news, that God doesn't love you for what you can do for God or what you can give to him. God loves you because you are his creation. He loves you in spite of all your imperfections. And he wants to be in your life to make you better, to transform you from the inside out. But living by the Spirit is a daily struggle. Because let's face it, we are terrible backseat drivers. And the Spirit says, go ride, and we go, no, 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 I know a shortcut. And if we don't listen to the Spirit and go by our flesh and by what we think we know and by the things that we think are best, then we end up in trouble. 
And Jesus has to come again and say, I told you so. Listen to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And trust in the Spirit. It's wonderful to know that it truly is free. But I want to tell you that when you go out there to tell other people that coming to Jesus is really free, they're going to ask you, what's the catch? And you need to be able to say, God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants to save your life. And all you have to do is say yes. Just believe. And it is on the way. And it is yours. I pray that we can truly keep it free and not try to charge people for the freedom that Christ already paid. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for being the free gift of God in our lives. We thank you for reaching, O oh Lord, out to us, even when we are lost and going our own way and doing our own thing. I thank you, Lord, that you show us what true freedom is like when we meet Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that as we, as we celebrate the freedom that our nation affords us this week, that we will not forget to celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ, to be called the children of God, to be heirs of the kingdom, and to share in his good news. Help us, Lord, to invite others to know the free grace that can be found in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. The altar is going to be open. If there's any whispering by the enemy in your ear that you don't deserve, that you're not worthy, that somehow you have to work harder or earn more of God's love or favor, I want you to come and pray that we can dispel that lie today. Because you are loved by God. And he is working in your life and wants to keep working in your life. Let us worship.